I tell you what, you guys sounded amazing singing that song. I know you don't think I can hear you through the video, but I can hear you. And I actually love the lyrics of what we just sang. Think about these lyrics. I give thanks for all you have done, and I will sing of your mercy and love. Your love is unfailing. Lord, I am thankful. It is a great song to sing. It's actually a great song to sing right before Thanksgiving this week, you know, that we are thankful people. But here's something I don't even know if you noticed when you sang the song, the first lyric of the song, let me read it to you. It says, this is the day the Lord hath made. Now that comes right out of, of the Bible. Psalm 118 says, this is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. But here's what we sang in the first verse. It says, this is the day the Lord hath made. Whatever comes, I won't complain. Now let me ask you something. Is that true in your life? Because I find in my life it's easy to sing a lyric and not live that out. Whatever comes, I won't complain. I find myself, even in really, really good times, complaining about all kinds of stuff. In fact, last Sunday, a week ago, I was walking out of Ford Field after yet another Lions victory. <laughs> yes, we've won two in a row. Can I hear you? Can I get, can I get an amen? We're going to win a third game today. Give me an amen. amen. I can't hear you. How about this? Super Bowl. Can anybody say Super Bowl? Yeah, I, I don't think I'm hearing a thing come from you guys. You guys are just sitting there. But here, here's the deal. I'm walking out of Fort Field last Sunday. We just beat the Browns. It's a great day. I'm thankful. We're all thankful. I'm walking down Madison Avenue in downtown Detroit. The whole place is just, everybody's happy. And five minutes later, I am complaining like crazy. I'm in my car. I'm stuck in gridlock. I can't get out of Detroit. I'm not kidding. We did not move for 20 minutes. And I am whining and complaining about how bad the people are in the cars in front of us. Nobody can drive as good as I can drive. If I was up there in front, I guarantee I would be moving things along, getting out of here. In fact, some of you feel that way every, every weekend when you get out done with church, <laughs> trying to get out of this place. All, all I'm saying is this. We complain. I complain a lot. And today, it's an interesting day because we're looking at a question Jesus asked in this series. You know this from last week. He asked over 130 questions. We're just looking at three. And this question that Jesus asked, got all, it, was, it was all about gratitude, having a thankful heart, living out the words we just said. And so it's pretty interesting as we think about gratitude. I think the only way we become thankful people is we've got to make a move, a move from how we're born. Here's, here's what I believe. Most of us, not most of us, all of us are born this way. We are born greedy. We are born sort of doing this with our hands. Everybody, everybody in the room, do this. I know I'm on video and I can't see you, but I want, I want you to do this. Go like this. Me, me. It's all about me. Give me more. Give me more. Every one of us is born with a heart that is about, it's about me and I want more. Now, if, if you don't believe me, just think about this. If you're a parent, you know this is true, right? If you have kids, you know they come out of the, out of the womb like me. You, you offer a candy bar, they want more. They, they go after it. It's always me, 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 give me, me, mine. You ever heard that one? That is how kids are. They're just born innately greedy. You don't have to teach a kid to do that. They get this from their mom. But they get this from, it's just, it's innate. It's in the human DNA. It's me, me, more, more. But do you have to teach your children to say thank you? Yeah, why doesn't that come natural? Because it's not natural. We are born greedy and we always want more. It's always about me. And so here's the thing. To go from greed to gratitude, it requires a move. 
Think about this. When my, my oldest, CJ, was seven years old, I'll never forget, I was early 90s. He's 31 now and married, but he was, uh, it was his birthday party, and he was so excited to get all this Ninja Turtle stuff and Power Ranger stuff. And by the way, this was the original Ninja Turtles, not the remake now. And so all these gifts were toys and swords and all kinds of guns, right? Well, his aunt was there, and she wrapped up this big present. And I, and I have video of this I would show you, but he's opening up this big present, thinking there's another big missile launcher or something in there. He opens it up, and what's he find? Clothes like a sweater. Here's literally what he did. He's like, threw that away. And he went like this with his hands. <laughs> like, I don't like this. I don't want clothes. I'm seven years old. Just give me more, more, more. I mean, he is just like all of us greedy. Now, here's the thing. Even when things are going well, we're often dissatisfied. Isn't that true? I know I am. I walked in last weekend, Friday night, as many of you know, and some of you were there, Ann and I spoke at a marriage conference at the Marriott Rensen downtown Detroit. So when we checked into our hotel, and, and trust me, it was a beautiful room. We're on the 48th floor. You look out our window, you see Canada, you see the river, you see the city of Detroit. And as great as that was, I am complaining. You know why I'm complaining? I'm complaining because we have two double beds instead of one king. I'm not kidding. The reason we had two double beds is my middle son, Austin, was coming into town, surprised us, and needed to stay the night with us. So we had to get two beds instead of one because he was literally going to sleep in the other bed as we were going to take him early to the airport. All I know is I'm looking out at just a beautiful picture. I'm living out a dream and actually a prayer that Ann and I prayed at our wedding night that God would use our marriage to impact other marriages and impact the world for the kingdom of God. We're going to get to do that all weekend as we speak to a thousand people in this ballroom about marriage and God's design for marriage. And yet here I am complaining because I'm not satisfied with a room that's absolutely perfect. That's a greedy, it's all about me, I'm dissatisfied attitude. And let me tell you something, to move from that, from greed to gratitude, it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective because we often forget how grateful or how thankful we should be. Now, it's interesting. You can see I've got, I've got seven chairs up here on the stage. And I want to do an illustration visually that I, I think will help all of us get some perspective. And I, and I actually hope it helps us become more thankful. And I've done this years ago, but it's been about seven or eight years since I did this. But think about this. These seven chairs in a sense, represent the seven and a half billion people in the world, give or take a few. But these seven chairs represent that. Now think about this. I don't know if you know this, the statistics, but one billion people, one billion people in our world live on less than one American dollar a day. One billion people, two billion people in our world live on less than $2 a day and they have no electricity. Here's what's amazing. Three billion people, have no plumbing or running water. Three billion people in our world. It's almost half of our world. You won't believe this. Almost six billion people. This whole category right here. Six, really five and a half, six billion people live on less than $10 a day. $10. In fact, the wealthiest of them live on $300 a month. That's almost our whole world. There's one billion people that are the richest, the most wealthiest people in the universe. 
And guess who that is? That's you and me. That's us. We sit in this chair. We are the wealthiest people in the world, by far. Americans and another billion people are the richest, most wealthy people in the universe. We sit in this chair. The rest of the world lives on less than $10 a day. Now think about this. This this is fascinating. Last year, we Americans spent $20 billion on ice cream. On ice cream. And trust me, (laughs) I was in that $20 billion. I go to Dairy Queen. I go to Eva's up on uh, Lapeer. I go to the greatest ice cream shop in the world in my hometown of Finley called Dietz's Brothers Ice Cream. I mean, I'm part of that $20 billion. But think about this. Scientists and researchers will tell us that in a perfect system, one year of ice cream, in other words, $20 billion, could solve the poverty problem in the world. Could provide health and water to the rest of the world. Now, here's the amazing thing. When you get, when I get, when we get this perspective that I'm sitting in a chair that says I am part of the wealthiest, richest people in the world, I realize I am so blessed. And yet often I spend my days, maybe you do the same thing, like give me more, I'm not satisfied. In fact, I read a stat not too long ago that said 52% of Americans lay in bed at night and dream about getting rich. They are, we are. In fact, I saw a bumper sticker once, maybe you saw this one, it said, God bless America. And I thought he did, he is. We are so blessed. The question is, why? See, when I realized that I'm sitting in a chair that I didn't even choose, how did I end up being born in America? How did I end up in this? I didn't choose this. God did. Somehow, we are sitting in the... We are so, so blessed. It's amazing. And so what happens is we, 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 we get a different perspective when we go from me, 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 it's all about me and greed... To what? My hands sort of go up. Here's the second move. And I say thanks to the God of the universe that has blessed us in such unbelievable ways. I think of what Ernie Harwell used to say, great Detroit broadcaster. I remember him speak and he said, you know, we are like a turtle on a fence post. And what he meant by that is if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you have to ask, how did that turtle get there and you know that it didn't crawl up the fence post. There's no way that's how he ended up there. He ended up there because somebody placed him there. We have been placed by God in the wealthiest country in the world and yet we often are are greedy. And God says, no, no, move from this to this. This is a picture of gratitude, of extending my hands upward. This is a picture of worship to say, thank you, thank you for blessing me in such incredible ways. I often forget or don't realize I am so blessed. I mean, think about this. We take this for granted. Clean drinking water is a blessing that we have in our hands every day. If you're like me, you're not worrying about where you're going to eat today. You're probably like me, going to eat too much today. 
Tonight, when you lay your head on your pillow, your nice, fluffy, probably washed pillow in your bed. And if you're like me, if if anything like my wife, I have 18 other pillows that I got to stack and put in perfect place, you know, to make the bed. I mean, so often we don't even realize we are so, so blessed. And that blessing and realizing this perspective of where we just live and how we live should cause us to be thankful people. And it's interesting, you know, as you look at this question that Jesus asked, it's in this really interesting story. And, you know, you ask the question, does it matter to God if we're thankful? Let me read you the story. We have this story found in the Gospel of Luke. Luke is a guy who followed Jesus as one of his disciples and then wrote a very orderly account about his life. And he tells this story in Luke 17, verse 11. It says this, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Now, many of you will know the situation in that culture. If you had leprosy, because it was such a bad, not just skin disease, but actually a nerve disease, they had to live, lepers had to live away from normal people because people thought if you got near a leper, you could actually get what they had. It was like contagious. That's what they believed. They actually considered them impure or dirty. And so the clean, pure people could no, be nowhere near the dirty, unclean lepers. And so they would, they would literally have to stay away from the rest of society. In fact, if you were walking down a street and you were a leper and somebody came down the same side, you would have to yell, unclean, unclean, and the person would go to the other side of the street or you would have to go to the other side of the street. So they're standing at a distance away from Jesus because they can't get near him, but they cry out, Master, have pity on us. They're asking Jesus. They've heard about him, the rabbi, the great healer. Could you possibly heal us? And so here's what happens. It says, when he saw them, when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, Jesus didn't say, I heal you. He just said, go show yourself to the priest. Again, in that culture, it was actually Old Testament law that if a leper ever got healed, he had to be declared clean by a priest who said, yes, indeed, he is healed and he's no longer uncleaned. He is clean. And then he could or she could Uh, come back into society. So Jesus literally just says, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they were walking, can you imagine this? They're walking, the 10 lepers. And on their way, one of them says, hey, Joe, Joe, look. And he looks down, he's healed. He's like, oh my gosh. He looks, Sam. I mean, it's an amazing miracle. But notice where this story goes. You jump down to verse 15. It says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Very interesting that, again, 10 lepers all healed, only one comes back. Now, I'm not saying the other nine weren't grateful, but none of them came back. And, you know, he falls down, he yells out loudly, he praises Jesus, and he gives thanks. And Jesus asked this question. Didn't I heal 10? Where are the other nine? 
And it's a question you can easily go by and think, it doesn't really matter to God if we're grateful. I think it does matter. It's like it, it brings joy to the heart of the Father when us who are healed and, 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 and we're thankful, we go from this to this. This is what this, this leper did. He literally fell down on his face. It's like he's raising his hands to the, to the heavens and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'll tell you something. There's a principle about gratitude that I want you to, to write down or at least take a picture of the screen, whatever you need to do. Don't ever forget this. An attitude of gratitude leads to a life of joy. An attitude of gratitude leads to a life of joy. Let me tell you something. When this leper comes back and praises God, he is full of joy. And I believe his life from that point forward is going to be a life of joy. He's going to impact others. You know, I think it means a lot to God when we come back to him and realize we're sitting in this seat and we stop doing this and we go to this and we just say, thank you. I remember years ago, I took my boys... Ann and I took our boys to Cedar Point. We would do that every year when they're growing up. Uh, I mean, probably wasn't the greatest thing to do, but we would wait till school started for the kids in Ohio so there'd be nobody there. We'd take our kids out of school. I'm not advocating this, parents, so you don't have to do the same thing. We'd take our kids out of school and go up to Cedar Point and spend way too much money, <laughs> right, getting through there and spending a whole day there. But here's the deal. We come home. Everybody's exhausted. Kids are in the backseat, fall asleep. We get home, we carry him up in the bed, lay him in bed. And I'll never forget one year, I went uh, into the bedroom and I'm exhausted. I'm, it was a great day, but I spent way too much money. And is it even worth this? And I'm literally in the bathroom and there's a knock on the door. My oldest son sticks his head in the door and just says, hey, dad, thanks. Really had a lot of fun today. Appreciate it. And he shuts the door and walks out. Why do I remember that moment? Because he was grateful. Because he said, thanks. Did that mean something to the father? Yeah, it didn't even matter at, at that point how much money we'd spend. It was like, oh my gosh. He came back and he said, thanks. And I'll tell you something. Just as this leper did, here's what we need to do. An attitude of gratitude looks like this. Go back to what? The source of your joy. Go back to the person or, or to God himself and do what? Give thanks. Go back, give thanks. Seriously, I mean, it's, it's not just on Thanksgiving week. It's, I, my dream would be that Thanksgiving day would become Thanksgiving life. Go from Thanksgiving day to Thanksgiving. What would it be like to live a life of gratitude? In fact, uh, Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday, we'll have a uh, chapel service for Detroit Lions before our game on Thursday when we beat the Minnesota Vikings. Do you hear that? We're going to beat the Minnesota Vikings on Thanksgiving Day. But Thursday, or Wednesday night, we'll have a chapel service. And every year, I do the same thing at chapel. It's a, it's, a, it's a tradition now. We take communion that night. We do worship. Josh Korn's going to come down with me, and we're going to lead the, uh, the team in worship, singing. And then I will make everybody in the room say one thing or two things they're thankful for. And I do this every year. I say, you can't say a general thing. Like, I'm thankful for my family. No, no, no. Be specific. Why? Because I think it's worth taking time to go back to the Father and give thanks specifically for what he's done. It's a move that moves us from greed to gratitude. But I think there's one last move. I think when you go back to the story, when the leper came back, fell down, and in a loud voice sort of worshiped God and said, thank you, what did Jesus say? Did you see it? He said, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So I actually think there's a a third move. It's like we go from greed, 
hands in, me, 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 more, 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 to gratitude, arms up, saying thank you to this, open hands. It's a life of, here's a word for you, gorosity. It's generosity, but you're going and being generous with your life and your gifts and even your money. Uh, and, and, and I know it's a stupid word. Gorosity is not a word. I just got it from when Jesus said, go, rise and go. I thought he's sending this leper now on a mission. It's like, I didn't just heal you for you to go home and just sit and hold it all to yourself in your little chair and your little life and never tell anybody. He says, no, 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 go and be generous and tell the world where you found your faith. You tell the world about the healer. It's like, Gorosity means we go on mission because God has transformed us and then sent us on mission. What? To give thanks to the one who has healed us, but to point others to him as well. So I just came up with this crazy word called gorosity because if this is, it's all about me and this is, it's all about him. Open hands is it's all about them or all about others living my life in such a way that I'm on mission to make an impact on the world, to point the world to the one that I'm grateful for, to the one that I'm thankful for. You know, it's interesting. If you think about the last couple of weeks here at Kensington, think about how people have gone on mission. Two weeks ago, Ann and I were right here on this stage wrapping up the new rules of love, sex, and dating. And we're talking about that last message was all about how uh, people that are pre-married, the things they need, to, the four pieces of luggage they need to unpack before they get married. And I asked people to consider this. I said, if God has blessed you in some way in your marriage, we need marriage mentors. We need an army of married people to come along pre-marrieds and walk with them to help them prepare for marriage. And, or even come along other marriage that say, I need help. And they reach out to help at Kensington. We have marriage mentors, a whole army. Here's what I found out. At every campus that weekend, we have eight, eight campuses, 10 to 15 to even 19 couples walked out of the auditorium into the lobby and said, I want to sign up for that army. I want to become a marriage mentor. So what happened? They realized that God had called them to be gorositous, whatever, to be generous with their life and go on mission. That was two weeks ago. Last week, Dave Nelson spoke here and he killed it. It was awesome as we looked at the first question of this questions Jesus asked series. And at the, at the end of the day, you know what happened? People wanted to serve here and do something with their life because God had blessed them and they were grateful for that. They walked out of this auditorium and they went and said, I want to serve in some area of Kensington. And by the way, if you didn't do that last weekend and you want to take what God has blessed you because you're thankful and serve others with that gift, go for it. That's gorosity. That's like I'm on mission to be generous with my time and my gifts to bless other people. And then tonight, guess what's going to happen tonight? Tonight at six o'clock, we're going to celebrate baptisms. You know what a baptism is? A baptism is a message to the world from a person that says, I am so thankful that God has literally transformed my life from who I was, that's under the water, out of the water to a brand new life and a new mission and a new go pulse. That's what tonight's about. You don't want to miss tonight's service. There's going to be a bunch of baptisms, people telling their stories about how God has blessed them and they're grateful and to show their gratitude, they want to tell the world the same thing the leper told the world. I know the one that can heal. I know the one that raises dead people to life. And so don't miss tonight because that's what baptism is. It's grateful people shouting to the world, he is worthy to be worshiped. And so here's what I want to do as, as, as we wrap up the service. I want to take the offering at this point. 
Because when you talk about gorosity, it's really generosity. And it's a time for us to worship God through giving. Now, gorosity to me means go on mission and serve God and serve others in any way you can. Because I think gratitude looks like this. Go back, give thanks, go serve. Go back, give thanks, go serve. And one of the ways we serve is to give our money to God. And let me say this. Those of you that give here and so many of you give online, thank you. You are a true blessing to God. You have realized God has blessed us as we sit in this chair. And I want to bless the world through this ministry to impact the world. Others of you are visitors today and you're really our guests. You don't have to give unless you feel led to give. Your next step at Kensington, in my opinion, is is to go out in the lobby and say, I'm new here. Where do I start? We have a whole plan for you called Starting Point. Go out there and say, I want to sign up. So as you give, let me close with one last story. I'll never forget this. It was 1980. Ann and I had just graduated from college, gotten married, and came on staff with Crew. Back in the day, it was called Campus Crusade for Christ. And we were going to be sent by Crew to the University of Nebraska to be a chaplain for the Nebraska athletic teams. And that's where we went in 1981. But in 1980, we were at training with about 4,000 other crew staff in a gym in Colorado State called Moby Gym. We had a training conference there for a week. And I'll never forget, toward the end of that, that uh, conference, they brought up a guy on stage to speak to us. And I remember having an attitude because when they introduced him, they said, his name is Sidlow Baxter. He's 85 years old. He's a theologian. He's going to speak to us. I'm literally sitting at the top of this gym. And I'm like, what is an 85-year-old dude going to tell us? So I had this attitude sitting there beside him. He walked up and I'm almost like, let's just leave. I mean, he's 85, right? What's he going to say? So he gets up there. I'll never forget this. Why do I know his name? Because I'll never forget this. He gets up, and the first thing he does is he tells a joke, which is really, really funny. And then he goes over, and there's this piano there, and he sat down. And he started jamming on the piano. The guy was super talented, was a songwriter, started jamming all this stuff, some jazz, some rock and roll. It was just unbelievable. So right away, I'm like leaning in like, okay, this guy's pretty gifted. And then he told a story at the end of his message I've never forgotten. Here's what he said. He said, let me tell you something. If you're discouraged or down or dry in your spiritual walk. I mean, you're just like sitting in your apartment or sitting in your house and you're just sort of numb. You're not doing anything. You're discouraged, maybe even depressed in your spiritual life. He goes, let me tell you what you need to do. I'll never forget this. He said, the first thing you need to do is you need to fall to your knees and worship God. You need to sing praise to God even when you don't feel like it. You're discouraged. You don't want to worship God. Fall on your knees and start singing loudly, out loud to God. What's he saying? Go back, give thanks loudly, right? And I remember him saying this. He goes, when you praise God, even when you don't want to, the darkness trembles. The darkness is pushed pushed away because darkness would love to keep you in that apartment, never moving out and just focused on yourself. He says, get out of yourself, fall to your knees, praise God. Here we go. Go from this to this. He goes, and then here's what happens. He says, that praise right there will push the darkness away, will silence fear, will silence discouragement. And then I'll never forget, he said this, he goes, and then grab your jacket, put it on and go outside your apartment and find somebody and just serve them. Just go serve somebody in the street or somebody in your church or somebody at your workplace. Get your eyes off yourself, get your eyes on him and then on others, which is what? We go from this to this to this. He basically was saying, go, Rossity, go and be generous with your life and your gifts and literally point people back to the one 
who gives you life. So here's the deal. A life of gratitude leads to a life of joy. I'll say it this way. An attitude of gratitude leads to a life of joy. You want joy? Go. But before you go, give thanks. And that's what we're going to do today as we end the service. We're going to give thanks, and then we're going to go on mission. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, first of all, for who you are. You are amazing. You are truly amazing. We are not worthy to be blessed with the grace that you've lavished on us. We are not worthy to sit in this chair. And yet you have blessed us in incredible ways. And God, I pray, I pray that we, that we would be a blessing to the world. That every day would be a day of gratitude. Every day would be a chance to to go back to you, to give thanks to you, and then to go serve, to go on mission to others. God, I pray we'd be a church. This community right here would be a church that would rock the world, pointing them to the one who has healed us, raised us to a new life. God, send us on mission, even today, to live out a life of gratitude. We pray in your son's holy name, the name of Jesus. Amen.